Welcome to the Finding Equilibrium podcast, where we dig deep into the battle of the sexes. Because let's be real, the relationship between men and women is complex, nuanced, and often fraught with tension. Women are expected to be assertive and career-driven, while men are encouraged to embrace their emotions and be more vulnerable. But are we really finding balance and harmony, or are we just creating more confusion? We know that finding true equilibrium requires us to confront the uncomfortable truths and challenge the status quo. So we're showing up to call out the cultural narratives that have shaped our perceptions of masculinity and femininity and examine how we can break free from the constraints of societal expectations and ideations, like why women are pushed to act more like men and why men are becoming more like the women they were raised to protect. So whether you're here to explore this seemingly never-ending battle or simply seeking inspiration to bring your own assets to the table, we invite you to join us for some thrilling and controversial conversation. So, uh, you texted me something today, a pretty good question to start with. What was it? The question of what the question was, how do power dynamics play a role in relationships where one partner is expected to take on a certain gender role? So it was cool talking about this stuff early on like that. Cause then if there's people around, I can poke people and be like, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? And I was with my buddy today and he was like, he hit me with the, the super obvious, like, cause he's getting married soon and stuff. And he was like, you know, obviously everything's got to be completely equal. You know, that's where we're at today is everything's got to be completely equal. I was like, yeah, you know, I get that. And I've, I've spent most of my life feeling that way too, but then I've, I've had a bunch of situations that have made me kind of feel a little different about it. And he was, he was telling me a story about how she had just called him and she wanted to buy something, but she like knew that it really wasn't the thing to do. And she just called him and was like, you know, tell me not to buy this. So I don't buy this. And it got, it really got me thinking because that's like the way a father raises a, a son and a father raises a daughter are so, so different. Like fathers are very protective of girls and they're like, you know, don't wear this when you go out, don't go to this place. It's not safe. You know, don't make this financial decision. You know, it's, it's not going to set you up for success. And with boys, we tend to just be like, go fail and catch stuff on fire, learn the hard lessons the hard way. And I think that a lot of women, they're kind of programmed from youth to want to be protected from bad decisions. And I've had girls tell me this, not directly, but, you know, like a bad thing will happen. The woman will feel kind of betrayed by the man. Like, why did you let me do this? You're supposed to protect me from bad decisions. So now that I'm older, I definitely have a very mixed perspective because I really feel like men are more liable and more accountable when bad stuff happens, even if it, even if it was a joint decision. And I feel like that's the man thing anyway. You know, when shit hits the fan, you look to your man. If I'm going to carry that around and that's going to be me, then I should have the final say, which just sounds controlling. But I think that for the most part, a good man is going to let his, his woman do, you know, whatever she needs to do and just be there to say no when it really has to happen, not to be making all her decisions for her. So it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah. Hopefully both parties are in the know. Ultimately, like both parties know it, what's going on on a day-to-day basis so that they can have some sort of say. But yeah, when shit hits the fan and you want that man to protect you and make that final decision, I think that women in that regard are not taught to be independent thinkers in the midst of a crisis. Yes, we want to have this opinion and we want you to think what we think. And when we don't think that you are in our head, we get pissed off because you aren't in our head to be able to know the right thing to say. Yeah. So I just think it comes down to women are not taught to be independent thinkers. We like to think that we are. And I think it's like a power struggle in that way that, you know, our opinion matters. But at the end of the day, I feel like women are more submissive in that than they think. Right. And the truth is that the woman's opinion usually matters more when most things are getting decided. It's what the woman wants. You know, when you walk into a household, it's what the woman wants. How often does a guy pick what color the living room gets painted? We don't. And, you know, even if we don't like what color is being chosen for the living room, we want our woman to come home and feel secure in her household. And and I think that it's people get caught up because they're like, all this stuff sounds controlling. And it's like, 
No, it's just protective. Women seek out a man that can protect her. And we think of that only as like a physical thing, like the man, you know, protecting her. But, you know, saying that maybe you shouldn't wear something when you go out or maybe you shouldn't go out to a certain place or be at a certain place past a certain time. That's just bred into us. We're analytical, you know, so we look at stuff based off of information and facts and like, hey, statistically, girls go down to the north side in the middle of the night. They don't come back. Oh, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. So I think that women today aren't used to being told no a whole lot. So it makes it tough because anytime it's like, I don't think you should do that. It's like, well, you're trying to control me. Well, I guess, but I'm trying to protect you because like, if that was your child, can you talk about relationship the way you talk about raising children though? Yeah, because it's weird that you said that, but the whole time I was just thinking about my own daughter in the conversations that we have about what she's able to wear, what she should be allowed to wear, not from my perspective, but from a societal perspective. Right. Her whole idea is that women should be free to wear whatever they want, not in a, as a way to like advertise and put it out there like here I am because I wear this I come across as this certain type of woman who's asking for something it should just be freedom of speech I can go out and wear whatever and not get assholed well society doesn't look at things that way so as a man trying to protect the woman knowing that like you said statistically from a societal standpoint she's very unsafe right From a woman's perspective, she's invincible and also feels a little superior in saying like, I'm a woman and I get to have this choice. This is my body, my choice. I get to do what I want with it kind of thing. Not really realizing that when they walk into society, society has a different standpoint and a different set of rules to live by. So it was funny that you said like relationships and kids, because that's where my mind went. Right. And the, the free speech thing is a perfect analogy because, because we have free speech, that means that you're free to go onto the street corner and say whatever you want. But that also means that everybody that is within hearing range is free to come up and address you in a way that's counter to whatever you're preaching, you know? So if they don't like what you're saying, then their freedom of speech allows them to get in your face and tell you what they think. And the way a girl dresses is really similar to this because the girl is completely free to dress any, especially nowadays. Nowadays, a girl can like wear almost nothing and get away with it in most situations. And the thing that women just need to realize is if they're going to have that freedom, then everyone else is going to have the freedom to express their reaction to that situation. And not to sound shitty, but if you're going to dress like a hoe, then you're probably going to get treated like a hoe. And that's not maybe what you want, or maybe you don't think it's fair, but that's the whole freedom of how the system works, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's just the whole, uh, impression. Yeah. You know, so if somebody gets an impression of you that you're Mm -hmm. a hoe, they probably don't even think that they're being bad by treating you. You're provocative. So I'm going to treat you provocatively, you know? No, that's not what I was looking for. Well, it seemed like it, you know? So it's like, you know, hopefully you're in a safe place. Or you don't have to worry about somebody taking to the next step where they're actually taking advantage of you. You can trust yourself, but you can't trust what you get right. as a consequence. And I was just taking notes when you were talking, but like it reminded me of action equals a reaction, whether that's the reaction that you were looking for or not. And also like right. those actions come with consequences. So it's like, I'm going to do my my best as a woman and as a mom to educate so that at the end of the day, you can make that informed choice. Like here, you're right. You have that power. Right. This is how you choose to walk out of this door to wherever you're going. Know that there's going to be a consequence. There's going to be some sort of reaction, whether it's the reaction you want or not. Right. You know, don't say I didn't right. warn well, you. <laughs> and and we're only looking at it from a starkly negative perspective. Like if you look at it from the situations that you're looking for that you want to be positive, like maybe you're a woman and you're actually trying to meet somebody that's a value, I think that a high value person isn't going to see that as a positive. You know, if I'm trying to find the mother of my children, the girl that's dressed super promiscuously is probably not the one I'm going to want to pick. So if you're out shopping for a good man, then, you know, I'm not saying don't be sexy and attractive and stuff, but what's the phrase about uh, 
leave some to the imagination or whatever because that's what's attractive there's a Um, phrase there that i can't think of but i don't know the phrase but i do know like as a woman from a men's perspective imagination is everything when it comes to like attractiveness and sexuality it's like you have to leave something to men are very visual so they have to have that and if you just put it all on the table like that i get what you're saying then it leaves nothing and then it also means that like every other person out there has that same visualization that you were just given because that's who how she presents herself so you're really nothing special because what do you get you know if all of her goodies are out there what's left for you right and that's the other thing too is they're for everybody her stuff is for everybody i don't want a woman whose stuff is for everybody i want a woman whose stuff is just for me yeah i don't want to pretend like guys don't like having a a gorgeous wife but a guy the true beauty is when you have that thing that no one else can have. You know, it doesn't matter if she's a 10, if anyone can have her, you know, or if it, if it feels like anyone can have her, or if anyone can look at her, like the, the whole thing just, it just kind of gets brought down more and more, you know, because it's the whole thing. And I'm like, my stuff's super old fashioned. I get really hung up on the yours and mine thing. As far as I'm concerned, a, a wife, that's mine. And a husband, that's hers. A woman should be able to look at her husband and say that he is mine. He's mine. He's, he's just mine. Nobody else's. He's not even his. He's just mine. And I think, you know, we can't talk like that nowadays because to, to cast ownership over another person, that would be ridiculous. But that's <laughs> what this whole thing is. That's what marriage is. Is, is you're only mine and I'm only yours And that's it. And we don't have to worry about there being anybody else because yours and mine only leaves you and me. And I think that uh, the whole feminism thing is kind of like really asserting that, uh, that it can't be that way. You know, no, I don't belong to anybody. And it's like, well, okay, I want somebody that belongs to me. So I would think that you'd want somebody that belongs to you. Yeah, I just saw a reel recently and it just made me like my jaw hit the floor because this girl, her reaction was just absurd. Like the most ridiculous reaction. A guy was talking about like if he had met the woman of his dreams and how he would date her and make sure that she wanted to become his wife. He was like, I would make her my wife. I would settle and make her my wife. And the girl's reaction was make her your wife. Well, she wants to be your wife as equally as as much as you want her to be your wife. And I was just like, this girl is out of her mind because he wasn't coming at it from an ownership perspective or a controlling perspective. It's just how it's always been. Yeah. I would love to make that woman my wife. That's something that's been said for decades. Right. And she just took it as, as immediately. That's where her brain went. And that's what worries me is that these next generations are just wired to automatically think that way. Like they're not even in control of their thoughts at that point. It's just their reaction to having to put up this wall of defense and saying that I have equal rights too in this. Well, there's this, they just did one the other day with uh, a bunch of girls. And one of the girls was a a transgender girl, but she was like, I'm not going to guess her weight, but she, she was very heavy. And, uh, it was just really good podcast. It was just the whole thing ended up being really funny. But I swear that girl that you're talking about was on there. She had long blonde oh, hair. She was like in her 20s, early 20s, probably. Oh, right on. It must have been a different one. Yeah. I mean, they're all out there. See, that's the thing is when I hear those reactions, I can just see that it's their natural reaction. They didn't even have yeah. twice about what they were saying. It was just an automatic response. And I just thought it was like the stupidest response. But I think that it's it's a really common way that that women feel nowadays, you know, it's like nobody owns me. And I think it also gets twisted with jealousy, like that control piece of, oh, you're just jealous. You don't want me to go out because, you know, you're insecure or whatever. Or right. don't you uh, appreciate that I can be your arm candy that gives you status, blah, blah, blah. So like just all these different perspectives about it. But really, when it comes down to it, it has nothing to do with the benefit of um of the man, it's just making the woman feel better for herself. You know, it's not really for anybody but her. What's not? The reason that she chooses to continue to put all of her stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's got to come back to attention for sure. Something that you had said and I wanted to go back to was that fine line of, okay, well, if I have 
my husband and my wife and they're mine. Right. And like, there's that fine line of wanting to, and being okay with your partner showing that off. Right. If they, if they've got it, flaunt it, cool. That makes you look good. Shows off your status. But like, where is that boundary? It's not, it's not the same thing at all. And yeah, I think I'm just going to have to go with, it's a way different thing. I think it has less to do with the access and more to do with the seeking of attention because like you, you wouldn't tell your woman not to wear a sexy bathing suit to the beach, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously there's not a whole lot more revealing than that. That's a very public place usually too. So that there's going to be plenty of eyes out there. Right. Exactly. So I I think it's more the intent that Mm -hmm. that has to do with, I think that's probably all of it is it's it's all about the intent because Girls can go out and take pictures like that and keep them in their phone or keep them in their husband's phone. Do whatever they want with them. That's not put them up for people to respond to. Because I don't think any girl would post pictures like that if there wasn't a like button or um, an inbox. You know, what things could you take away of Instagram and, and, and have people still use it in that way? I think mm-hmm. that those are the two. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's funny because like any time that there's any sort of question on whether or not like that boundary is, is pushing the line on like, should I post this? Can I post this? What do you think? Whatever. My concern wasn't that that was going to be out there because whatever, but my concern was you want your friends to see that, you know what I mean? Like those were for you. And I guess they're like, if that's where your comfort level is fine, but that's again, kind of why I brought that to you because it was, it had me questioning too like what's not just my boundary but then where does where does the partner draw the line too because they're like I mean Diana Dahlgren for example her husband promotes her stuff she has a calendar that gets sent to my husband's mailbox for one but obviously he knows that that's his she is his and she will tell you straight up I am his and same here you know what I mean so it's just like I don't know if it's just a respect thing or a whole different dynamic in a relationship altogether or if it's down to being an individual's perspective. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you take it one step farther, it's only fans. I mean, why buying the calendar? Right. Not cause you don't know what day it is. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's an excuse to hang a pretty girl on your wall. You know, that's attention in a different way. So I don't, I'm not saying that like, you know, a girl doesn't probably start an only fans for attention. You know, she can get that from Instagram and and things that are just at least slightly more wholesome, you know, so it's, you definitely took it to a different place when you look at it from a monetary perspective, because would you be more provocative publicly if it was for monetary gain? And it's like, well, probably it's like, okay, well, you know, that's still attention, but it is kind of a different thing. And then you're right back to, well, where do you draw the line? Because obviously the line and the money are directly correlated. So the further away you're willing to draw the line, the more money that you're able to make from that decision. All you can really do from that one is look at it from a personal perspective. And I'd like to think that I'd be uncomfortable at any level of that. You said about those pictures being for you, that uh, not you, but for him, is I think that's how I would feel. I think, I, but at the same time, I think it's just because my line is in a slightly different place. And it's really only slightly because I feel like those, some of those pictures were definitely pictures that I would look at as being, you know, just mine. But if they were a little less promiscuous, then I probably would have been okay with it. You know, in a bathing suit, sudsing up a dirt bike or something like, you know, we've brought it back just a little bit. But, you know, that's where my line is. So it it gets tough because it really comes down to each person in the whole relationship, you know. And I guess if you want to look at insecurities, that that is part of it. You know, maybe some guys just feel so secure. You know, I'm stuck feeling like if my girl wants to go out and dress more provocative than I think is okay, does that make me feel insecure? Yes, I guess I'd have to look up the exact definition of insecure, but yeah, I don't feel like I've got any control over my relationship or, you know, my stuff that I thought was mine is, is for 
other people to enjoy too and you know and, and then i'm insecure about am i the only person do i am i with somebody that's that's uh seeking more attention than that behind the scenes you know potentially damning to my relationship so i mean i guess maybe insecure is a good way to put it you know mm -hmm. i definitely i do feel that way and i think that it would be more in the female you know like i feel insecure about the female about the situation too because you know if you're going out looking like that then it could even come all the way back to a safety issue like no you're gonna get the wrong attention where you're going you know so now i'm insecure about the situation and the girl let's, let's look up the definition of that. um i got it so it is not confident or assured, uncertain and anxious. So it I gives it. you, yeah, it gives you, you now have that sense of insecurity. Right. Right. It is a good term. We bastardize it all the time, but sure. I feel, I feel insecure. So what are some things that, or are there things that she could do to make you feel less insecure? Like on a... I'm talking on a regular basis, not when you guys, or when she dresses like that, you guys go out to the bar on that occasion, but like on a day-to-day -to, -day to build that trust so that you are so secure in your relationship that you can be secure with yourself so that in those instances, because hopefully they're not like a regular occasion, but in those instances, is there a way that she could build that trust up on a regular basis? Like on a day-to-day, -day, this is how she treats you. These are some things that she does to prove that when you guys are in those situations, you without a doubt have no insecurities because you know exactly where she stands with you. Yeah. I think those things are, they're like symptoms, you know? So you can worry about what she's wearing and who she's hanging out with and all these different things. That's her getting attention from other places that aren't you. So I think that really any real healthy relationship, those things aren't going to be worries anyway, because a good healthy relationship, the guy's going to feel that love and respect. And, you know, if you're not the kind of girl that's out trying to seek attention from somebody that's not your husband, then he's not going to be worried about you being out seeking attention from somebody that's not him. And I think that all that other stuff is just symptoms of that problem. So seeking attention, it's, I mean, because as somebody that has to be on social media for some part of what they do, that's a part of my brand and what I can stand behind and helping other women, I feel helps boost other women's self-esteem and confidence by just being me and being comfortable being me. So it's not for attention. It's trying to help other women come up to that level. I think one big distinction here is that for one thing, if a woman is single, then most of the things we are talking about are just normal female practices. You know what I mean? Like if a woman is single, she's going to go to the bar with her friends on a regular basis. She's going to dress, you know, not necessarily provocatively, but kind of, you know, she's trying to sell herself basically. Same thing with her Instagram and all, you know, her social media in general. And, you know, I think those are for the most part, all positive things, because that's what a woman does is puts herself out there. And I think that getting attention from all of those things is a perfectly normal practice in today's day and age. I just think that when you're in a committed relationship, then a lot of that attention is supposed to be coming from somewhere else. And hopefully good margin of that should be coming from at home at that point, you know, so it's, it shouldn't be as necessary. But I think that when we're talking about drawing a line, I don't think the line necessarily is not to post any of that stuff. Your thing is a perfect example where it's not hurting anything. It's not attention seeking for the wrong reasons. And I think that's what it really boils down to, you know, like is Diana Dahlgren's relationship good or is it not? Is she in her inbox all the time? Or is she in her family all the time? It really comes back to how is that relationship? And only you in the relationship can really be the judge of that. So it's really hard to put that gauge on everybody's individual situation. Right. Well, and it comes back to how secure is the guy in the relationship? You know, if your guy isn't secure, if he feels like you're attention seeking, then that needs to be addressed. And in a positive way, like women are always so damning when it comes to that. You can't handle me dressed in a certain way or you can't handle, you're just trying to control me. You're just, you know, that's going to make him even more insecure. Mm -hmm. And I got this thing that I'm insecure about and I can't even do anything about it. Yeah. And girls know what they're doing when they're dressed. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And not just that, but like, you know, if the girls are going out and it's girls night, 
you know, and I'm not a big proponent of girls' night. That's not something that should never happen. I mean, girls should go out without any of the guys sometimes for sure, but it doesn't always need to be to the club late at night with lots of drinking. And most girls have no problem letting other guys buy them drinks. Those are the nights we don't remember that we love to forget. Yeah. That's the whole, <laughs> that's, the, that's the big joke. Girls like to count the guys that counted. Hmm. It's like, no, they all counted. They all counted. There's a whole gray area in that, isn't there? Like what counts? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of things though. And our original question were like about the power dynamics and we kind of talked about it from a security standpoint, you know, from the perspective of where that line looks like, what are those boundaries? But from uh, like a foundational day-to-day standpoint, those everyday things, who is supposed to carry the weight of all of the baggage that comes with having a family and living a life in today's society? You know what I mean? Like who's really supposed to hold all of that? The biggest struggle with the power dynamic in the household these days is that women subconsciously use sex as a, a, a reward system and men we, we have sex when we can so we tend to do whatever we think is going to facilitate that situation be it doing more chores or trying to be more subservient to you know our wife or our household and and uh, you know we do it to ourselves for sure we do it to ourselves but when you really dig deep down into it unless shit is hitting the fan then the woman is pretty much in control of everything. Even if it's nothing, the man is usually still trying to make his wife happy. And I think one of the big distinctions here needs to be that as far as psychology is concerned, this couldn't be more of the wrong way to be a man. That's like classic emasculation and and we're doing it to ourselves. And I think that if women were more aware of what they were doing, and men were a little stronger with not having to, you know, basically beg for intimacy, then I think that it'd be a little more of a shared power in the household. But I think that pretty much everywhere, all the things you listed off are dominated by the woman, except for when the shit's hitting the fan, which in today's society is when it's never stuff's never hitting the fan. Yeah. So I don't know if you ever had a chance. I sent it to you, but the Chris D'Elia stand up bit, yeah, uh, he told it from a complete male perspective, and I loved how forward he was about it. It was like a, a dude's whole motivation and goal in anything that we are doing and seeking is to hit that <laughs> end game is sex. So that's all it is. And then women right. get pissed off, and then they know that. So then they use it against you, and then it is like an reward system because that's the one thing that they can hold over your head. Right. Right. And it works. But they're pissed at you because you're trying to control what they wear out of the house. Right. (laughs) Right. This is so fucked up. (laughs) It really comes back to what you said earlier about how women know. They know that they're in control and they know that when you're making declarations like that, them calling you controlling is just their way to take your power from the situation because they want to be able to make their own decision. And I understand that. For sure. You just can't have two chiefs, two CEOs, two presidents. Women seek out someone that is more. That is basic biology when it comes to a female is to find somebody who's bigger and stronger and smarter and more ambitious and more capable. And for the most part, women are not attracted to men that they feel are lower than them, especially on the hierarchy, you know, when it comes to, to status, you know, so the the more a woman has and the more that she is, the harder it is for her to find a mate because the more he needs to, for her to be able to, to love him. And I, and I think that for women to choose someone that they can feel that way about and then to take away the decision-making in, the, in those things, for them, that's what a man is. That's, that's what we are. You know, we carry so much accountability. So if if you want a superior, well, then you should let him lead. And I don't think that's where we're at in society. Women want a superior and they want to lead. Mm -hmm. And they will have both because they will take that superior man and use sex to emasculate him. And, you know, he'll be the man everywhere except for at home. And that's where we're at today is, you know, they're getting respect everywhere but at home. Part of the thing that bums me out is as a woman, you can be completely in control and still let your man lead. They don't have to be completely devoid of each other because the, a good man is going to do what's best for his, his family and his, his woman and going to do what's 
you know, at least what he thinks is right. So for the most part, letting your man lead doesn't take your power away in any perspective. I think women need to just get, women want a high status man, then they need to create him. Women need to build their man up. I think it's just, there's no ride or die anymore. There's just, there's you and I instead of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in a good relationship, there's not a whole lot of conversation about who's really in charge. There's not a whole lot of conversation, period, in right. most yeah. relationships. Right. Well, and we're terrified to bring anything up. Well, and like I said, like a real healthy relationship isn't going to have a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of the stuff that we talk about and that gets talked about in these social podcasts and stuff now, or you have bad people, so you have bad relationships, you have selfish people. So we're just stuck together, not having any fun. We're trying to fix a relationship when it's the people that are broken. Yeah. So it is. If you can, if you're lucky enough to be able to work on yourself before you are in any sort of serious relationship and married and you get to kind of figure out the things that you know exclusively that you do not want to walk into in a relationship, that's super helpful. But if you aren't that lucky, you still want to be able to navigate a similar process and be able to work on yourself while simultaneously working together. It is a partnership, but you also have to understand about yourself and the person that you're in the relationship with, that you're both on these separate journeys to still figure out who the fuck you're supposed to be. But in communicating those things and like building together, but it has to be a partnership, but you also have to be okay with having your separate lives and your own personal growth, but you got to both be working or that partnership is never going to happen. And that's where most people fail. They don't go into it looking at it as a partnership and they can't fucking communicate. Right. And the, the, the partnership thing is hard because people tend to get in monogamous relationships as a youth. You know, mm -hmm. most, most marriage happens before you're 30. And from the perspective of somebody that's 40, you don't know shit before you're 30. That's why I said, if you're lucky enough to be able to work on yourself before then, yeah, because most right. of us, we weren't, we were young, just kids. And, and that's a, that's a good thing. I, I truly believe that the best relationships are going to come from kids. When you find your mate, you're 20 years old, you know, you're not a clean slate, but you're still very impressionable. You're still, you know, very moldable and you find somebody that has, has very similar interests and pers perspectives of the world. And then you, you grow together, you know, and you, you can't find somebody when you're 40, 50 years old and become the, the companion that you can to somebody that you, you, you meet when you're 20 years old. But I think the problem is that there's so much negative to becoming who you are as a partnership and as a, as a single entity, as a person, you know, you do so much damage to each other. Because you're kids and you don't know what you're doing. You don't, you know, nobody's sitting there telling you this is what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do and why. And even if they do, I mean, that's not how we work. You know, I got to find out for myself. I got to make the mistakes myself. Well, now you know all this stuff, but you've smashed to bits everything that was important. So it really comes down to be able to do all the things you said as uneducated children. And, and having the wherewithal to, to just know that down the road, certain things are not forgivable and certain things aren't repairable and certain things are. So maybe we just have a communication problem. Yeah. Oh, man. Don't know how. Just if we could regurgitate all of this into our little kid self, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think but then, like, we are modeled so poorly what it looks like to effectively communicate. Right. From so many different perspectives, we are fed this bullshit on what communication looks like. And then we're supposed to go out on our own and try to effectively communicate, which is the number one thing in being able to hold together a relationship, that model relationship that we have gotten so away from. Right. Yeah. My dad used to make jokes when I was a kid about how we have all these different classes, especially at college level. And for the most part, we're never taught how to learn. We don't go to a class that teaches us how to properly take notes or how to properly take a test or how to uh, retain the information that we're learning. You know, there's this is a whole road to go down where we don't know, but then we spend, you know, 12 to 15 years educating with hundreds of thousands of hours. And I think relationships are the same way where the only education we have is watching our parents who, if their relationships like anyone else's, that's the, you know, the worst thing for you. 
because there's going to be a whole bunch of things that are psychologically wrong with your parents' relationship, probably. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to start off by modeling that. Whether you know you're doing it or not, it's going to be a subconscious action. And get a step further, I don't think anybody really understands themselves at all. We don't know why we feel the way we feel. We don't know why we're aroused by this or irritated by that. Like, how the hell could we be a good mate when we don't even know anything about ourselves? We're not taught to be intuitive and emotional and to normalize feelings. So we suppress them. And how the fuck do you express something that you're forced to suppress? Right. Especially boys. Yeah. Especially, I think everything comes out as anger and rage because we're not supposed to have the other emotions. And then we don't know why we're mad. Why are you mad? I don't know. Well, you're mad because you're sad. Yeah. Are you mad because you're, you have anxiety or you're anxious? How can you put words to that emotion is the hardest part. We can't articulate that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a real thing. And I think that's one of the hugest communication barriers is that especially today we have this issue with really men are men and women are women. And I think that the big dynamic that comes away from that is when you're trying to communicate, the man is going to be analytical. The woman is going to be emotional. Those two things are completely opposite. Like when you look at it from an education perspective, you don't get to be analytical and creative at the same time. You don't see those things. They, they have to be worked on in, in separate groups at separate times. Separate. So to take a woman that's all pure emotion and a man that's all just what I know and then have them have an argument or try and have communication or come to an agreement, they don't understand each other. They don't hear that you know, you're not hearing me. I am. You said this. That doesn't mean this. What the hell does that mean? Did you see the whiteboard drawing reel of a men's brain and a woman's brain to get to the same point? Yes. yes. <laughs> that and was that's... so spot on. Like men are just linear. Okay, this. Okay, next. Okay, yeah. Women are like, okay, this, but then there's like all these other little things. And then if then if this, it was so on point. The very end was my favorite. How it like backpedals and then ended up <laughs> the man's fault somehow. And it was like the other end of the whiteboard. And I was like, that's it, man. Which it's fine. And that's what I was saying earlier. It's okay that guys are the ones that are accountable and liable for everything. It's fine. A good man doesn't want his woman to feel the failure and the sadness. Whether we made this this mistake together or not, it's the man's responsibility to bear that weight. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's just how we are. You know, but, it's, it's back to us trying to be protective. But she's the one that bears the emotion. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that's where that partnership and communication comes into play because then you can work through that. But when you said early on in the episode was we ultimately are looking for this equality in a relationship and that's not realistic. But how I like to look at it is that women have strengths and just biologically women have strengths that are different than a men's strength. Right. So I like to say, what do you bring to the table? Not as like, well, I'm bringing all of this. So you need to bring 50% of, you know, what I have. No, it's bring what makes you an asset to this relationship. And I'll bring what I have as assets to this relationship and we'll put our assets together. And what we got is what we got, you know, and let's like work on that because that's where we are so strong. That's where we can grow. But it's not, it's like, why 50%? I pay 50% of the house and 50. It's like, we're so analytical with how we're supposed to split our role in a right. relationship. And it's right. And it doesn't make any sense. No. Right. Because girls, because girls are girls and boys are boys. And we bring different things to the table. Like, and that's why when it comes to attraction, you don't see men being attracted to women with money because they're money anyway. You don't see men being attracted to women that are, you know, ambitious or super physically capable. There's a whole list of things that we consider masculine that men don't look for in women. And that's the whole idea between coming together is men fall short on so many things that have to do with nurture and the household and child rearing. It's the end of the world for guys to try, you know, like what bus does your son ride? I don't fucking know. Like, what school does he go to? Shit. Like, you know, remembering a doctor's appointment. You don't think that way. We don't. And it's not because we don't do it. Like, we could be in charge of the, you know, like a single man is in charge of his household. Does that mean he knows that he's running out of toothpaste? Fuck no. (laughs) Doesn't have any idea until there's no toothpaste in the toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Because 
our mind is focused on what it should be. And it isn't the toothpaste. That's why you guys are so good at improvising because you've had. To. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a guy thing anyways, because you, <laughs> right? you can't because be you, have, you put yourself in those situations. Yes. Like, don't have toothpaste. What am I going to do? <laughs> oh, I mean, we, we do for sure. But women put us in those situations too, because like when something happens, you know, like, let's say you're driving down the road and your, your girl's driving and all of a sudden the tire blows and you're on the side of the road. And let's say you're 20. You didn't have much of a dad. You've never changed a tire before. You know, you're going to look at your girl and be like, let's go do this together. You know, let's go on the highway and do this together. Or are you going to like get on YouTube? No, you're not going to do anything that makes you look incapable. You can say, I got it. And you're going to get out and you're going to figure it the fuck out. Just like you've had to do for your whole life, because that's what boys have to do. We have to be like, no, I can do it. Never done it before. Don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing, but I can do I it. figure it out. Right. Right. And we do. We do. I mean, sometimes, you know, we fail. And I think that's a big thing that we need to work on in relationships is if you're going to expect your man to be able to be any kind of a leader and have any kind of confidence, then you're going to have to let him fail without bastardizing his failures. And, and that's something I see a lot in today's society is where women, you know, they, they love to tell their friend, my man can't do anything. Like he tried to build a deck, caught the whole fucking house on fire. Like he's never, ever going to live that one situation down. So then at that point, he doesn't even want to step up. Fuck yeah, we'll pay somebody. I don't even mow the lawn anymore. I can't even do that shit right. Which we're back to the, the man being involved in his own self-emasculation. But what do you do? Yeah. Um, I took a note though about like how it's really looking for your counterpart. You don't want a woman to come to the table with the same strengths that you have. That would be weird. You know, a woman right. that defend her family and go hunt right. food or, you know what I mean? Like you don't want that. So you're really just kind of looking for your twin flame. You right. Know, like you, no good if you're both good fighters and nobody can cook. Right. <laughs> Survived and then we starved. <laughs> Yeah, those aren't the type of relationships that build empires because they are napped. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think it just is a matter of finding somebody who complements your strengths and appreciates your strengths. You know, that's one thing that we're not really good at either. And that's what it was. It was fear. I think everybody just has this fear mindset and of failure period. It doesn't matter. A woman calling her man out, she's afraid of failure herself. Like everybody is so uncomfortable with yeah. failing that, that, I mean, that's just a whole nother battle to tackle is failure breeds growth and that discomfort breeds strength. And we just need to start reframing how we look at those words because uh, yeah, it's just a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. We don't accept failure. We're not good at that at all. We fail at failure. <laughs> Well, and I think it's one of the big things that destroys a relationship because we don't want to admit that we're failing. So we just keep failing instead of standing up and fixing it. You know, then when it is too damaged, we are still stuck not wanting to fail. Got to make this work. I can't fail. I can't look at that from a female's perspective, but from a male's perspective, we just can't. We can't fail. We're all taught this, though. Another thing that goes back to when we were just little kids, failure is not acceptable. Right. You can't get a D and you're in first grade. Well, dad, I wasn't made for this. I'm going to go and work with my hands when I grow up, but you can't understand this, you know, right. but that's how we have that pressure that failure is not okay. And if we fail, then we are less than we're not enough. We're going to disappoint people. We've let down everybody's expectations of who we were supposed to be. And it just right. grows with us. So we always have that. And like, no matter how good of a job that you thought you did, you always are looking for that disappointment because that's normal. Right. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I think that the more to it would be that it's us. It's always, everything's always so singular. Like when we're coming up in our, like the way our education system works is so different from the way that our actual society works. Like when you go to work, anything that's of anything is going to be done in a group. But when you're in school, it's all about this test is just you. You failed. I passed or I failed. And in the real world, it's we passed or we failed. And I think we take the I into our relationships instead of what are we doing? What can we be doing? We are failing. I think it's very damaging because not only do you get very self-destructive because you're like, I, I keep failing. But then you also start to look across the board and you look at the other person and you start pointing your finger. You know, you're failing. And it's like, this is we, even this, this is we. 
and I don't think that we have a, an ability to really be comfortable with this being we. Mm-hmm. You, know, you is still me. And yeah. I think most people are like, no, no, you did this. And it's like, well, even if you're right, at the very least, you chose me. So we are still making these mistakes. So you're telling me that marriage is really just every man for himself. Right. That's shitty. Right. That's what it seems like anyway. That's the whole thing is like marriage should just be the singular, just the we. I'll carry the brunt of the blame as long as it's always a we. Mm -hmm. I got the emotions because that's what I do. We're going to work through it. We're going to do it together. We just, I think we overthink what that simplicity really needs to look like again in that power dynamic is just bringing your own organic strengths to the relationship, being comfortable with those strengths, not feeling less than, not being compared to, not looking at anything that you can't do as a failure. It's just that that other person's got your weaknesses. Right. Not, Not even just weaknesses. I guess that's a good way to put it. Not entirely, you know, I make up for what, what you lack and and vice versa. And if we don't, if neither one of us have it, that's when the moment that we figure this shit out. Right. And I think that's the whole thing with boys and girls is we boys definitely lack what girls have and girls definitely lack what boys have. It's so obvious to me that it's so weird that we're where we are in the social world where we're all pretending we're the same thing. And it's like, what TV show are you guys watching that you think that? You know, I've never seen a sitcom where the mom and the dad played the same role. Like, I don't understand. We have friends that uh, I always look to as the model masculine feminine role. Like Kayla with her 18 kids and then super stoic Josh. One is all emotion. One has none. Mm-hmm. Like they're both the most extreme situation. And then one is completely analytical for the most part. The other one is not. And then when you watch them function, their roles in the world are completely the opposite. They don't even really step into each other's roles at all because they're just not built for them. They make the perfect couple. It was funny because the first time that Chris and I ever went on a little vacation together out of town, we went camping. And neither one of us said anything on how we set up, how we packed, how we broke camp down when we were done, when we headed home. But on our way back home... He looked at me and he was like, you realize that we didn't really talk or anything while we were setting up, breaking down. We just knew what had to be done and we did it and it worked. And he was like, I can't tell you how many fucking fights and how many headaches this whole thing would have been with anybody else. And I was like, well, I think that was our true test right there. But it's it's the same thing. When you get to that point, you don't even have to talk about it. It's just like, I'm going to step into what I know how to do well. And I'm going to trust that you're going to step into what you know how to do well. And at the end of the day, we've packed up camp and we're headed home. Sweet. Right. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's why they always say, that's why psychology always sees it in in, uh, traumatic situations where gender roles just happen on their own. Like the second that something bad happens, you will watch the men and then the women minimal communication. You know, the women are already, they're immediately taking care of everybody and everything. And then the men are at the front line of whatever the situation is trying to take the brunt of it. And there's no question of whose role is what and who's going to do what. And I think that if we treated life a little more like it was that traumatic situation, you know, we just happen to live in a tiny little chunk of history where there's no war right here on our front door. And I think that is so much of what is wrong with relationships is we forgot what our roles come from. But at the same time, when we stopped training men to be men, why are we surprised that we ended up with masculine women? When your man fails over and over and over again, don't you have to step up? Because I feel like most of the stuff that we talk about is it's the men. You know, I'm not saying that women don't have a part to it and can't be doing more or less or, you know, whatever the situation is. But men that are men, they don't have these problems. We just got to go back to, to making men. That's the old saying is good times create soft men, weak men, and then weak men create hard times, and then hard times create strong men, and then strong men create good times, and then good times create weak (laughs) men, and we're just like... We have to wait a few generations to get good men back? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So when do we ever learn? Who's going to break the cycle? 
when we do better at allowing history to honestly portray itself, I think that's the biggest thing is that we pretend a lot. We allow each other to, to have our own delusions and realities and like, this is the way it is. And it's like, you know, well, we know it's not, but I'm going to let you pretend. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just been too much of that for too long. Like with the girls, like I watch all these podcasts and everybody's a 10. All girls are 10. No girl has room for improvement anymore. They're all already perfect. And it's like, well, how am I supposed to live in that world? Because if I called myself a 10, women would be, well, I mean, women would probably be like, yeah, you know, but then they'd go home and laugh at me and be like, you know, we would invent a different scale. Right. Well, that's already <laughs> a thing too. Now there's 11s and 20s and, you know, I, I don't even, I don't, I don't know what to it. do with that. I don't doubt it. I think our reality is the delusion. Right. And we're right back to guys not wanting to crush their chances. You know? Yeah. <laughs> sure, baby. You're, you're whatever you say you are. Ouch. Well, I feel like this is a very packed episode, but uh, I feel like it was a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll call that a wrap and just make sure that if you don't follow us on Instagram, that you go check us out at Finding Equilibrium Podcast. And we'll see you back here next time.